Welcome home and welcome to the Mount Carmel Ministries podcast. Today we will hear from Pastor Dave Wallen in his teaching series on the seven signs of John. We recorded Dave Wallen's teaching at our very first family camp recharge last February. My internship supervisor was teaching on John and I wrote a little reader's theater on the seven signs in John. And so ever since then, I've really kind of enjoyed these um, accounts from the gospel of John. And uh, so it's always fun to teach on it again. Um, Just recently last um, spring, I think it was, um, taught, um, I've been doing this thing on Thursday nights, uh, call it Facebook Bible study. Um, And so, you know, it's just me and my TV room um, uh, teaching for about 45 minutes. And so I did, I went through the the seven signs then, and um, and it was fun to just kind of re-engage them and bring in some new resources and things like that. But, you know, when we're looking at uh, John's gospel, you're looking at uh, a really a different point of view. You know, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's like if they were witnessing an accident, those three guys would be sitting kind of like standing kind of in the same area because a lot of what they witnessed is the same. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it, a lot of the details are the same in those three. Um, they have some, their own little uh, unique um, uh, additions, but uh, a lot of the same. And then you've got John way over here on the other side, and he's seen, you know, the same accident, but everything's a little different. And that's what's fun about John's gospel. It's just completely different than than the other three, and it really kind of uh, gives us a great um, uh, perspective on the life of Jesus. Um, you know, a couple of features of John's gospel. Um, he doesn't have the parables that you read about in the synoptic gospels. Um, he doesn't have the exorcisms that you read about in the other gospels. Uh, some of the, um, the, his approach to the sacraments are different than you read in the Synoptic Gospels, you have these great long discourses, uh, like when he's talking to Nicodemus in John chapter three, or the woman at the well in chapter four, and so on. Um, and so uh, it, it's, it can be a lot of fun looking at his gospel. A lot of times people will kind of divide his gospel into two sections. You've got chapters one through 11, um, called kind of the book of signs. And then, um, uh, 12 through 21 through the end of the book, the book of glory, which um, is um, uh, a lot to do with his um, passion account. And so we're going to be looking at uh, the signs in John. And so um, just as a warm up, I've got some signs here, um, some goofy signs I found online. Um, that's, a, you know, thanks for the heads up there, right? I like this one. Um, Dog guardians, pick up after your dogs. Thank you. Uh, attention, dogs. Gerbark, woof. Good dog. <laughs> this one, caution. This sign has sharp edges. Do not touch the edges of this sign. And then I don't know if you can read the fine print. Also, the bridge is out. <laughs> this is what would happen if I worked in um, marking the city streets. Um, or this one. I'm confused, right? Um, Wheelchair accessible restroom downstairs. (laughs) Touching wires cause instant death and $200 fine. (laughs) That's the worst. Just insult to injury. 
And, uh, you know, dang, looks refreshing, right? And my favorite. Again, this is if I were to make a sign, that's what would happen. So, uh, you know, when, when, we're, when we're driving along and we see a sign, or we're walking around, we see a sign, um, you know, what do you have to do? You have to interpret the sign, right? You have to read it, comprehend what is it telling, what is it instructing me to do, um, uh, where is it leading me, and things like that. That's the same approach that we take when we come to uh, John's gospel. Um, what's interesting about John's gospel is he, he will, uh, um, whereas um, the synoptics will have all these miracles, John specifically calls them a sign. So he labels them a little differently. And, uh, because, and, and I think he's got some different intention when he shares these signs. And, and so what we're going to be doing is just kind of giving a close reading of these signs and try to, to figure out what it's telling us. Uh, in particular, um, uh, what is it telling me? And in particular, what is it telling me about Jesus? Because, of course, that's the, the main uh, point of what he's trying to do. He's trying to tell us something about Jesus. So we are going to start today uh, with a quick little study of the first sign in uh, John's gospel, uh, which is in John chapter 2, if you have your Bible, um, the wedding at Cana. So I'll just go ahead and read it. You can follow along. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version here. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or, 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw out some and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the, the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servant who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And we'll stop there at verse 11. So, uh, a couple of little depictions here of, of the scene. It's uh, quite a busy scene, as you can see here. Um, kind of some fun different renditions of it. I like this one. Um, so my question to, as we begin here is, why this sign? Why does John start out his gospel with this sign? None of the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, mention this sign. So John is the only one to include this in his gospel. And why would he pick this one? Anyone, anyone want to guess? I mean, why would he pick this sign? Yeah. Well, if you look at the day after Jesus passed, mm-hmm. maybe it was a 
connection to the uh, last supper. So the meeting is all set up three person. Mm -hmm. like David Sackler's man and it's real. Yeah. And then for all of us in the later century, Sure. Yeah. It could be. And you know, an interesting part about John's gospel is he doesn't talk about the institution of the Lord's Supper. Uh, there's a long Last Supper scene, but it's more just a long discourse, and he does the foot washing. He doesn't talk about uh, sacraments, uh, the, the, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. So maybe, you know, could it be that, that he's giving instead of... of uh, um, you know the 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 narration of that. Maybe he's giving some uh, Last Supper symbolism. Could be, yeah, yeah. And definitely, John is you know looking back, and this one definitely stood out to him in a way that was important for him to to include it. Right? Yeah. We, you know, a lot of people think that this was the last gospel that was written, and so yeah, I mean, he's looking back quite a long time um, there. Uh, at the end of John's gospel, in, um, in, in chapter 21, he says, there are, uh, are also many other things that Jesus did, were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. You know, man, I wish someone did write them all down. <laughs> Can you imagine, you know? Um, but even there, that, that again jumps out to me, like if there were so many uh, things that he did, why did he pick this one? Um, you know, uh, there are only seven that he talks about, and he picks this one out of all of those to include. Why would he pick this one? Well, uh, I don't know necessarily the answer to that, but uh, what I do know is that the Bible is a big fan of weddings, right? Um, uh, and Jesus is a big fan of weddings. Um, I do quite a few weddings, and, and uh, we use the, the green LBW hymnal at, at my church, and um, the, the, the service begins with a prayer, as you gladdened the wedding at Cana with your presence, so bless this, this wedding now. So, I mean, we acknowledge in the wedding service that Jesus was a big fan of weddings. The Bible begins with the wedding, right? Um, Adam and Eve, to become one flesh, right? The Bible ends with a wedding as Jesus comes for his, his bride in, in Revelation. And so, uh, and, and throughout uh, the Bible, you see uh, weddings. So, so, I mean, he's a big fan of weddings. Um, and so maybe it's fitting that, um, uh, that his first miracle um, described here is at uh, a wedding. But let's dig into the story here. I gotta, I gotta keep a good pace here. I'm, gonna, I'm falling behind. Um, a couple of things that I think are interesting. Uh, you, have, you have Jesus's mother um, featured prominently in the story. Now notice she's never named. Uh, she's in, in, in John's gospel, you don't hear her named. She only shows up two times in John's gospel, here at the wedding at Cana. Does anyone remember the other time that Mary shows up in John's gospel? At the cross, right? And both times, Jesus addresses her with this kind of, almost kind of impersonal sort of way, woman, right? And, and I don't know about you, but when I read wedding at Cana, like you kind of almost read it with a little bit of, like the tone is kind of interesting. Like, you know, um, it almost seems like it's like, woman? You know, what does this have to do with me, right? You know? um, but 
But I don't think, obviously, that Jesus is disrespecting his mother here. It's just this is how he addresses her in the gospel. You know, woman, behold your son, he says on the cross. And so you have Mary showing up both here and at the cross. Um, and both times he's talking, you know, both times the hour is significant, right? Here he says, it's not my hour yet. Um, you're going to see him refer to his hour a couple more times in the Gospel of John. He talks about it. He mentions it in, in chapter 7 and in chapter 8. But then, of course, the next time we see her is when his hour has come, as he's hanging on the cross close to death, right? Uh, the other thing that um, features prominently, oh, I'm falling behind on my PowerPoint. The other thing that, that features very prominently in this story, of course, then, is the six stone jars, right? These six jars of, uh, for purification. And so what is the story with this? Um, these uh, were large jars. I mean, did you hear the description? How, how big were these jars? How, what was the capacity? 20 or 30 gallon jars, right? So big jars, stone jars. And they were there for the Jewish rites of purification, right? Uh, for some you know, ritual washing. Uh, the Jewish religion, very concerned with purification. And so here you have these, these jars um, for that use. Um, they're stone uh, as opposed to earthenware, which assures their, their, their purity. I, I read that somewhere. I don't really know how. But, um, but uh, in, in John's gospel, uh, the, um, I better make sure I'm catching up here. Yeah, so they're larger than the picture, six of them each held 20 to 30 gallons um, for the Jewish rites of purification. Um, but uh, the number six here, I think, is significant. Uh, in the Hebrew culture, numbers really meant something. Um, and so um, when we hear the number three, what do we think of? The Trinity, right? Yeah, yeah. When we hear uh, four, what do we think of? The Gospels, right? How about 12? Disciples, apostles, 12 tribes of uh, Israel, right? Um, there, you know, sometimes you'll see that multi, you know, multiple, uh, multiplied and stuff, but still kind of a derivative of 12. 40. Um, 40 kind of symbolizes a long time, right? Uh, uh, in the ark, 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus in the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights. Um, Israelites wandering the wilderness for 40 years. This is a long period of time. And then, of course, seven, right? Um, and seven, kind of that perfect number, Joe Maurer, right? Um, but, uh, um, you know, the seventh day was hallowed by, by the Lord in creation. And so seven's kind of that perfect number. Um, so then what is six? What is the significance of six? What do you think of when you think of six? Right? Yeah, six, 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 right? From Revelation, the, the, the mark of the Antichrist, right? Um, and why is six associated with evil, do you think? What is it about Six. Well, the biggest thing I think about six is that it's not seven. It's almost seven. It's like an imitation 
of seven, right? It's like if I tried to imitate a famous actor, it's going to fall way short of the imitation. It's, it's a mockery. And so 666 is, you know, uh, even, even more of a mockery of an imitation, uh, the Antichrist. And so you have six uh, stone jars. I don't think it, that's an accidental number. That's a very intentional number for John. And, and what would he be showing here then? Uh, what might be his message with these six stone jars for the rites of purification? What might that say about these Jewish rites? They're, they're not really good enough, are they? Um, they're, they're, you know, uh, in, in, in it, I wonder if John is making a commentary here on the Jewish purification system. And he's saying, you know what? He got you, you know, it's, it's a cute system, but there's something better. There's something better. And look at what Jesus is going to do with this purification system, right? He's going to bring a whole new purpose, a whole new, do a whole new thing with them. He's going to bring wine out of it, right? This, this, this is just such a, a crazy um, uh, miracle because, uh, you know, Jewish weddings, they, they, they typically took place over several days. And, it, you know, I don't know, has anyone ever watched the, that, the new series that's out called The Chosen? Has anyone seen this series? You guys have seen the series? We just finished the, this, the depiction of this scene in that, and, and uh, the, the, the parents of the, the bride were just super nervous because they had run out of wine. And, oh no, like that is just going to really reflect poorly on them. Like, it's going to be a disgrace, and, and now the the, this new couple is going to begin their marriage under this cloud of scant, like, you know, oh, they're the ones that, that ran out of wine, right? And, and so Jesus really bails them out here, right? Um, he, he does an amazing thing, and, and when they bring the, the wine, it's, it, uh, behold, it, it's, it's, it's the best wine, right? Um, the, the host of the party says, what are you, what are you thinking? You're saving the best wine for last. You're supposed to bring this out at the beginning, not when everyone's, you know, already kind of a little tipsy and can't tell the difference between good wine and bad wine, right? Well, which brings up an interesting point. Who, who knows about this sign then? Who knows what actually happens in this story? I mean, obviously Jesus does. The disciples witness it, and the servants, right? But the host doesn't know, because that's why he goes to the to the 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 you know the parents says like, why, you know, why did you save the best line wine for last? Uh, the rest of the party guests don't know. I mean, here this amazing thing happens, totally kind of off the radar, so that only like the the servants and and a few others actually see. What's happening here? Well, what's the result? In, in verse 11, he says, This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Uh, first of all, you know, this is the first of his signs, and you'll see this kind of label on, excuse me, on a lot of the signs that, you, you'll, um, that we'll read about. That word is used 17 times 
in John's gospel. So he, he comes back to it quite a bit. So he does the sign, right? Uh, we'll notice kind of a, a formula when it comes to his signs. So uh, he, he does the sign, and the sign manifests his glory, okay? We are just in uh, the last Sunday in the season of Epiphany, right? And the season of Epiphany is a, a season of the, the manifestation of Jesus, um, as he manifests himself in his baptism, as he manifests himself in calling his first disciples, first miracles. A lot of times you'll have the wedding at Cana as one of the readings in Epiphany. And so here he manifests his glory through the sign. Now, of course, only a few saw this manifestation, but um, uh, it, was, it was manifested nonetheless. And as a result, his disciples believed in him, okay? And so uh, oftentimes you'll see this, this kind of formula of the sign revealing his glory um, leading to belief. Um, now, we will see that this is not always the case. Uh, you, we will see the sign uh, manifest his glory, but not necessarily always resulting in belief on the part of those that, uh, that see him. Uh, the sign, just as a way to kind of uh, wrap this up, does not merely demonstrate power and elicit awe, um, uh, but it confronts man with God's presence in such a way that demands faith and obedience. This is, uh, I'm taking this from um, one of the Concordia commentaries. Um, I'll, I'll, I can't remember the author. I'll, I'll, I'll dig that out later. But he says, a, a sign confronts man with God's presence in such a way that demands faith and obedience. Um, they see something that they, they just can't comprehend. They see uh, the glory of God through Jesus Christ in, in, in this sign, and it demands faith and obedience. Um, now, the sign needs to be comprehended, and we're going to see not everyone can comprehend all of these signs, and um, uh, in, in some cases, the, the reaction is, is rather disappointing. Uh, we'll see those who witness the signs, but I should, that should say don't have the faith to get it. Um, and so the, the commentator says, signs uh, presuppose faith, yet they produce it. Uh, uh, it, it not unlike, um, you know, kind of how we sometimes understand the sacraments, uh, you know, the faith to receive is also given in the sacrament. And sometimes with these signs, um, uh, it, it actually gives the faith needed to comprehend it. And so I want to go back to the, the first question then that I asked about this sign, and, and that is, you know, why? Why did John include this sign? What, what is, uh, how do you read this sign? What do you think he's trying to tell us about Jesus, and what is he trying to do here? The fact that it's the first one um, seems you know, to, to warrant putting it in there. And, and it was pretty amazing. I mean, obviously, he's going to do some things that kind of blow this sign out of the water, but in its subtle way, uh, it's pretty amazing. Any other thoughts? Uh, why this one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he doesn't so much save a life as he saves a reputation here, right? You know, life and life in abundance, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of, it's not the most important thing about Jesus when I think about it, but the fact that Jesus is a fan of, of this kind of fellowship and, and the good time that was, you know, being had there and the importance of that wedding and making sure it's, it's good. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of a cool, reassuring thing about our Lord too, isn't it? Yeah. Sure, right. Yeah, he's not a, uh, I have to, you know, there's no time for pleasure. It's got all, you know, I got to transcend the, the desires of the flesh. No, absolutely not. He's uh, the word made flesh, right? Yeah, yep. Which was, I think, maybe an issue around the time that this gospel was written into the community that it was written in. Um, it was at the time when uh, the, the ancient heresy of Gnosticism was um, uh, starting to develop, and Gnostics were very much ascetics. They, they, you know, it was all about getting spiritual and leaving behind the desires of the flesh. Yeah, good point. Any other thoughts on uh, why the wedding at Cana? What does it tell you about Jesus? Yeah, and it's really interesting when you think about this this sign. When did it happen? You know, uh, when did I mean? There's no. He doesn't stand over it and like abracadabra. You know, I mean, it, he just says, "Fill them up." Now go draw some water out. He doesn't even like necessarily go over to the stone jars, right? Um, so, you know, right after they filled it up, did it happen as they were drawing it out? We don't, I mean, it, it's kind of, it's left up to our imagination to try to think about how this might have looked, but that subtle, amazing power there to, to make newness is pretty, uh, pretty awe-inspiring, right? Um, that's a, definitely a manifestation of his glory, right? Yeah. Well, and I do think he's making, uh, just at the beginning of his ministry here, a subtle point about um, the old ways. Uh, and, of course, in John's gospel, his opponent, John always kind of labels them as the Jews, whereas a lot of times we'll see him specified as Pharisees or scribes or something in some of the other gospels. But it seems like he just kind of labels them in general the Jews, and, and, he, and as he's kind of... Uh, doing something absolutely new out of this, this Jewish purification system as he creates a whole new way. And I, and I do think that it's hard not to hear wine and think about Holy Communion, um, but there's also some baptismal imagery here, I think, in this, this sign as, he's, as there's newness out of the water um, and so, really, you can, you can make an argument for, and I think commentators have, that, that both sacraments, you know, are kind of subtly hinted at in, in uh, Jesus' work here in, um, um, in Cana. And we're going to see, it, it causes, um, it, 
you know, it causes a stir. It might have been a secret um, at first, known only by the servants and the disciples, but word spreads about where this wine came from, and um, Jesus is going to um, find that um, uh, people, you know, they want more of that. So, all right, well, uh, that, you know, uh, a simple sign. Um, we're going to get into some much more complex ones, um, uh, some more, uh, you know, layered signs. Um, some of the signs, I think, um, you know, uh, I like to maybe peel back a layer, and then and, uh, sometimes we can peel back another layer. We might, you know, be overindulging the sign uh, some uh, for some of them, but we're just going to have some fun with it and see kind of what we learn about who Jesus is, what he did, and, and, and what uh, John and his gospel is trying to reveal about, um, about Jesus. And so I uh, look forward to um, digging in to these with you over um, uh, the course of this weekend, but I think I'm over time, right? So, wow, there are just slave drivers here. You can just... <laughs> So let me uh, close us with a word of prayer. Gracious, gracious God, we give you thanks for, for this weekend away. Um, and it's going to be cold outside, but Lord, the, the warmth of uh, uh, your, your people called together in fellowship and uh, inspired by your word is going to be enough for us. Um, and so we give you thanks for um, calling us to this place. We thank you for this place called Mount Carmel. Uh, a place that we can escape to. And so whatever it is that um, uh, is happening in our lives, the pressures, the anxieties, uh, the um, expectations, I pray that we can just kind of leave those behind and um, immerse ourselves in this time of rest and uh, recreation and renewal. And uh, bless us as we dig into John's gospel, as we, as we read about the, the amazing things that Jesus did and the things that John might be telling us um, through these uh, accounts, um, specifically about, um, about what Jesus did and who he is for us. And so bless our time together. Uh, bless the children as they uh, do their thing downstairs or across the way. And, and uh, uh, Lord, we're just happy to be here. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week on the Mount Carmel Ministries podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week for Dave Wallen's next teaching session.